Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. Welcome to a Reckless Speculation Thursday edition of The Scoop here on Minnesota Sports with Mackie and Judd. Our friend Darren Doogie Wolfson from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department is here with some inside information and a little reckless speculation about your favorite Minnesota sports teams. There he is. A little. There he is. It's the most wonderful day of the week. Reckless speculation Thursday. Phil, it needs to be a national holiday, or at least a holiday here in Minnesota. Somebody petition Governor Tim Walls immediately. Let's get this as a declaration. Reckless speculation Thursday. We've been speculating recklessly for probably, I would say, like six or seven years on our old radio show with you. And now, like, where we've officially said, hey, this is a safe space to throw ideas out, trades, whatever you want, right? And it is funny when, because there's a lot of people that still, like, when we put clips out on social or we ask questions or whatever, that don't really get it. Like, Declan put out a question we asked, or it was either Declan or AJ clipped the, the question from Purple Daily the other day, which is, hey, if you could only keep one of these three guys for the next two years, and you have to say goodbye to the other two, Brian Flores, Daniil Hunter, Kirk Cousins. And of course, like I would say 20% of the responses are, well, that's a hypothetical question that would like, why are you even asking that question? Why would you ever have to make that choice? Well, no, believe it's a hypothetical. Just speculating recklessly. (laughs) But but that's where the clips are confusing, (laughs) because if you don't live the lifestyle, you don't understand the questions. It's out of contact, yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, like that's why more people have to – once you're in the lifestyle, then it becomes just the norm. 
So you start to re- recklessly speculate about a ton of things. Yeah. And, and it, does, it doesn't have to be all sports. I will tell you this much. Being out and about a good amount the last couple of days, there's enough people that live this lifestyle. So we'll be okay. For those and on social media who just consume social media, who don't actually listen yeah. to this entire podcast or you know consume an entire show, that's fine. That's well within your right. But yeah, just know that there are enough people who love what we do. So we appreciate all that love. Speculating recklessly. So, okay, um, let's, you know, let's start there. We can talk Dobbs and whatever, but we were talking off microphone. Let's look out to the the broader picture future of the Vikings quarterback situation. Uh, we've dabbled in some of the mock drafts here, Doogie. You know, we haven't gone full on, like, I want a mock season yet where we track all the mocks, but dabbling, a lot of the mock drafts have the Vikings, you know, in like that pick 20 range drafting like the fourth quarterback off the board, whether it's a J.J. McCarthy or a Michael Penix from Washington. Um, What are you sort of, as you look ahead toward March, April, May, that lead up to the draft, what do you you think they're thinking? How aggressive, if let's say they push forward, they win nine games or ten games, they go to the playoffs, and they're not really in a position, much like the Chiefs were, you know, seven years ago when they were drafting like 23rd, they're not really in a position to, to pick Caleb Williams, for instance, or Drake may, what do you, what do you think they're going to do in that first round? Well, I love the question, Phil, by the way, the answer for me for that purple daily hypothetical that you threw out is Daniel Hunter. Like, I think they'd like to keep Daniel, And if there's a way, right, it all comes down to money. Is he looking for close to Bosa money? Right. So that's where it could become a slippery slope. But there certainly is mutual interest. Like I had somebody recently tell me that's close to Daniel that in an ideal world, Daniel finishes his career here in Minnesota. That's how much Daniel Hunter loves being a Minnesota Viking. So I think the answer to that question for me is Daniel Hunter. On your inquiry about what may take place come March, come April, will the Vikings go quarterback in the first round? I was with somebody in the last 24 hours who reminded me, hey, when you talk about Quasi Adolfo Mensa, you need to remind the audience how aggressive he is. How cutthroat he is, by the way, too. But how aggressive he is. It doesn't necessarily mean he'll always get what he wants, but he's going to make darn near every attempt to get what he wants. What this person, I believe, was alluding to is, let's say there's some sort of love fest with Drake May, the quarterback of North Carolina. Presumably, he goes after Caleb Williams, the quarterback from USC. So Caleb goes number one, whether it's Chicago making that selection via the Carolina pick or Chicago trades that pick somewhere else. We think Caleb Williams will be the number one overall pick. Where does Drake May go? Is Marvin Harrison Jr., the wide receiver from Ohio State, number two? Does Drake May even, heck, become the second quarterback off the board? But presumably he's going somewhere in that top, what, five to seven-ish? Mm-hmm. The Vikings right now, whether it's nine wins, ten is aggressive, Phil. Like, do they go four and one in these final five games to get to ten victories? But let's say they end up picking in that 19 to 22 range, which is more likely probably, what, nine wins, not ten wins. What would it take to go from 21 to, let's say, pick four, if that's the guy, Right. And that's why I think it's a fun talker here on Reckless Speculation Thursday. Just what would it take to move up 15, 16, 17 spots? But what I'm getting at, the root of this is just remember that Quasi, when he identifies something he wants, like, Jed, I don't know how much this was talked about, but 
they had some dialogue, right? It worked out to me perfectly because I think Jordan Addison has a very high ceiling. But they had some dialogue mm-hmm. about moving up last year, right? Or I guess this year, last draft, moving right. up and drafting a quarterback. I'm not necessarily sure which one, but they had some dialogue about moving up for a quarterback. So I'm just saying, what if that takes place again? What would Quasey be willing to offer? What would make logical sense if you're trying to move up from 21 to, let's say, three or four? What is Quasey's appetite here? And I don't, I'm trying to think, I don't think we've seen this though in making such a move where you, um, in your mind, get what you want as far as going up in the draft, but you have to give up and lose a lot because he, I, I think his preference in life is to actually accumulate picks by going backwards. Um, but that being said, so l- let's say, he, let's say just for the sake of this conversation if if it's drake may he's got to get to what four probably three or four just at at the very least so you're talking about at least a swap of first round picks your first round pick next year at the very least and then we're talking about probably a second round pick next year so now we're getting into he's giving up a lot and he's getting back a great pick but you're also not working in the manner with which he ordinarily operates. That's what I'm curious. And we just don't know yet. You'd have to really love your depth, right? Like the chief. So when the chiefs made that trade in 2017 to move up to get Mahomes, So they were at 27 and they moved up 17 spots to 10. Now I will say moving from 27 to 10 is different than moving from 20 to four. Like it's the higher up you get towards six, five, four, the tax goes up. But they to move up 17 picks, A, they decided we love our depth so much because we're already a playoff team these last couple of years. We love we have weapons, we have we have infrastructure, we just need that quarterback. Um the Vikings, you can maybe make that case. They might say, hey, we got a left tackle, we got a right tackle, we got two star receivers and a tight end. We love Makai Blackman as a cornerback. We love our safety. Like you could make a case. We got Ivan Pace as a as a you know linebacker. And we have um, cap they, space, so let's invest in Daniel. Hunter, let's get this yep. quarterback on the rookie deal. Okay, keep going. Yep. So uh, they gave up their 27th pick, obviously. They gave up their third round pick that year, which was the 91, and then their 2018, the next year's first round pick. I think it, it would it would it would be a bigger cost for the Vikings to go from 20 to like three. It might it might even be two first round picks or something crazy, but. You'd have to really like your depth. This is the problem with what the Panthers did. The Panthers gave up all this capital, right? Correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the Panthers decided we're going to give up capital and and a wide receiver that we love, DJ Moore, to get the quarterback that's going to save our franchise. But the problem is they don't have like a great car to be driving, and now they're without a first-round pick, and they fired a coach, and now they're just kind of stuck they're just, for the next couple of years. But the, the one thing I'll say about the Vikings is I don't think the Vikings are dysfunctional. Like the Panthers made that right. trade, but they are dysfunctional. They're firing coaches right and left. Their owner sounds like a madman. I guess he told Reich at the end, but before he, he fired Reich, he's like, I want you to work on, on Bryce Young's footwork because that's what I've been told is his entire problem. So like we're talking about Dude. like the Panthers to me aren't a great example because that's, that's a Washington Daniel Snyder type of dysfunction. Um, but I agree. And right now, so on Tankathon, the top five picks go Carolina, the Patriots, the Cardinals, the Commanders, and then the Bear, the Bears again. So the Bears at one, the Patriots at two because of that trade that Phil just talked about. 
Um, so I do think that if you were going to go up and try to get a quarterback as early as possible, it, you, I don't know that you can get to two because I think the Patriots are going to take a quarterback and I think the bears are going to take Caleb. So then the question becomes who's the third best quarterback and where would you need to be to land that quarterback Dukes? Well, where would you need to be? Are we sure that Drake may is for sure the number two quarterback? Like I'll be shocked if Caleb Williams, we can nitpick. I agree. He was better last year than this year. I get all that, but. I still think Caleb Williams will be the number one quarterback off the board. Are we sure that May is the number two? I feel like it's mostly consensus May for right now. Things can change with combines and stuff, but I feel like, it, like as of today, I think he's most likely the second guy off the board. And let's make this very clear. I don't know that May is their guy. You know, some draft wonks have suggested that May would be a really good fit in a Kevin O'Connell offense. I can connect those dots, but... I don't know that. Maybe it's the LSU quarterback. Maybe it's the Oregon quarterback. Maybe it's the Washington quarterback. You know, I've talked about J.J. McCarthy. I don't think you need to move up for J.J. McCarthy. But maybe one of those other guys, there's enough pre-draft steam where you know they are going somewhere in the top 10, maybe closer to 6 or 7, where you need to move up 14, 15, 16 spots. I do think it takes your one this year, your one next year, and your two next year perhaps more, right, Judd? Like, when you throw out that sort of package, like, that's where you start, right? It may take more than that, but minimum, that would be the cost of doing business to move up for a quarterback if you're moving up 14, 15 spots. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines, and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. But here's an alternative scenario, and I'm going to I'm gonna mix it in and make it official here. I want to mock! Mock! Yeah. Let's check out the latest mock draft from Pro Football Focus here. See what they've and they. It's funny because they generally they use their own grading systems. They use their own scouting. So sometimes PFFs where they have players going is different than like some of the mainstream or ESPN. So this is interesting. They've got the Bears taking Caleb Williams number one. They've got the Patriots taking Drake May number two. They've got uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. going to the Arizona Cardinals at three. And then a little bit of a run on the trenches here with the, the Penn State tackle, uh, Fashanu to the Commanders, the Bears taking the edge from UCLA, uh, Latu, I believe. The next quarterback on this mock draft is nine to the Saints, Jaden Daniels from LSU. And then there's not a fourth quarterback until you get to the 21st pick which is the Minnesota Vikings. So they would be standing pat because they don't have trades on this one. So they'd be standing pat at 21, taking the fourth quarterback off the board, saving the first-round picks that they would have traded, right, to move up, and taking Bo Nix from Oregon here. I want a mock! Mock! Don't tell our now, guy Forno that. I know our guy don't Tyler Fornis. I'm purposely on draft. Forno just had an that. aneurysm don't listening do that. to this. We'll but. ruin his day! <laughs> Um, but that's, that's a scenario where I think, I mean, obviously, don't you guys agree that the best case scenario would be if you don't have to give up capital and a quarterback you really like falls into your lap and it works. Right. But that's, 
that's a lot of wishful thinking too. That the guy that you really like falls into your lap. So, I mean, interesting. This much is true for the most part. The Vikings, well, I think it's going to be true. How about that? That they are going to go quarterback high in April. All right. So, will it be in the twenties? Will they move higher than the twenties? I just, I, I think a quarterback is coming very early in this next draft. I really do. I think Declan made a good point, though, because I think when once we, we get through um, a combine and pro days, that this is going to change. Like a third, like there's going to be a third QB. Oh my God, he looked good. Let me present to you a team to me that looks vulnerable and a little bit confused, and perhaps a team that can be used to your advantage if you are the Vikings. Currently on Tankathon, the seventh overall pick goes to the Giants. The Giants are in a state of great confusion because they just signed <laughs> Daniel Jones to a big contract. And Daniel Jones, in their mind, two years <laughs> or last year, had a pretty good year, right? And so he got the contract. I don't know the Thank Giants you, are going to punt. I don't know. The, yes, exactly. But, again, this could be where Ed, where Easy Ed comes back as the hero because I don't know that the Giants are necessarily in the market yet to draft a quarterback. So to me, if we're talking about more of the Mahomes equivalency, not as far as the quarterback goes, but the positioning of how you did it, the Giants are much more in that ballpark of, okay, now the trade's a lot, but it's not going up to two or three, which would cost you an absolute boatload. I think the Giants might be the team to try to take advantage of. You also have to keep in mind, too, like to that point, Patrick Mahomes wasn't the first quarterback off the board. Deshaun Watson was higher, right? Mitch, it wasn't Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky oh. was higher. Jo- the Josh Allen year, didn't the Bills move up to get Josh Allen? He wasn't the first. So you could still, if you like a guy, he's, he's the third guy off the board. He's toolsy, and you feel like he can be molded. It doesn't always have to be trading up to number two to get the consensus you know, second quarterback off the board. That's where the LSU quarterback Daniels offers a ton of intrigue just that body though i would worry i really would durability everything else about him though i mean he's been in college forever i mean he was throwing passes to brandon Ayuk at arizona state a few years ago feels like brandon's been in the nfl for a few years now Mm -hmm. but you watch Jaden daniels man alive like he's winning me over put it that way very much winning me over and i'm glad he's one of the heisman finalists Josh Allen draft was 2018, the first overall pick of the Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield. The third overall pick of the Jets, Sam Darnold. Josh Allen was the third quarterback to go in that draft. And he went and he went exactly at seven. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Some of that too, you wonder like circumstance, you know, the, the bills, as it turned out, the bills had some good infrastructure. It took a couple of years. Right. But they, they wound up putting together a coaching staff. Um, I think I always thought Baker was like, He's he's fine as like a fringe kind of bridge quarterback now. He's actually having a pretty good year in Tampa. But you wonder circumstance, and that's where the Vikings come in, where they would seem like one of the six to eight franchises that's just really well positioned to draft a quarterback and not think about all the teams that just we mentioned the Panthers, the Browns with Baker for twenty years. The Browns were you're the teams that are drafting a quarterback desperately hoping that that guy can save their crappy franchise. That's not the position the Vikings are in. Right. They don't. They don't need the guy. I mean, you can plug in Josh Dobbs and win a couple of games off the street, well, right? Like you've got a good enough infrastructure where it it should help that quarterback thrive. I think it's, it's as okay, good though. an infrastructure as there is in the league, frankly. When looking at yep. all these teams, the potential of drafting a quarterback. I mean, you laid it out, Phil. I mean, elite left tackle, 
elite right tackle, even though he wasn't good two Mondays ago against the Bears. You still take Brian O'Neill at right tackle over most right tackles in the league. You've got two elite receivers. You're going to pay Justin Jefferson, so he'll be here. Jordan Addison's still in the rookie deal. You paid the tight end. You know, we can debate where he is pecking order-wise, but certainly among the top five to seven tight ends in the game, there is so much to like. The head coach knows what he's doing, and I get it. In the moment, you're like, what? KOC stunk against the Bears two Mondays ago, but you'll still take KOC over so many others in this league. I'm just saying, yeah, the Vikings are incredibly well-positioned to strike on a young quarterback. And you can think that the QB, I think, is going to be a massive up- upgrade or save the franchise. The question is, is what you have to teach that guy? What's the patience? I mean, the Jets are a dumpster fire. At, at QB, they're a dumpster fire. The, the Jets are, the. you know what the Jets are? The Jets are a worse version of the Vikings when the Vikings went out and got Favre in the sense that they, that the Rodgers move is punting on life. It's basically like, we can't do, do this, so let's get an established guy. Um, the other thing about KOC that's fair to say is, I think it's fair to question him at times play-calling-wise and in-game-wise, but that's a very different thing from development, right? Like, I, Kevin's done nothing that I have seen that makes me question development or eye for talent. Um, he has done things in game that I hope he grows from. And I think most guys do, but that's a very different issue. So like, I am not concerned. I'm not actively that Kellen Mond succeeding or not after being acquired at the deadline is in no way, shape or form a referendum on Kevin. Like it's got nothing to do with Kevin. It's got to do with your starter got hurt. You're sort of screwed. What can you plug and play? Right. But, like, if anyone's like, well, look at Mond regressing, and it's like, okay, folks, Kellen Mond is – or Mond. Uh, I was, sorry, like, I was like, where are you going? Like, Mond, where are you going with this? Jo- okay. <laughs> Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs <laughs> taking a step back has nothing to do with, with, oh, my God, it's O'Connell's fault. It's not O'Connell's fault. It's not O'Connell's fault. I mean, Dobbs has been here for two seconds. It's not O'Connell's fault. I mean, I'm a big KOC fan, so, you know. Yeah. Maybe you're talking to the wrong person, but I would bet heavily on KOC with a young quarterback. I just would. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey, before we continue on with more scoopage here, let's talk about carpet cleaning season. Okay. Let's have a Frank on. Let's have a a, a difficult conversation about how dirty your house is right now. Everyone. Okay. It's holiday season. Snap out of it here. You got family gatherings. You don't want to be embarrassed to welcome people into your home, your dirty home. I personally get serenity from a clean house. I'm sure many of you, are like me, and Zero Res is here to help you get the job done in a safe and effective way. They'll do it for you. A 4.9 rating on a 5 on Google with 17,000 reviews. So it's uh, trust your peers as they review this at uh, a near-perfect level. Call Zero Res today at 952-ZERO-RES or go to ZeroResMinnesota.com and say you want the Score North special to get three rooms Zero Resified for just $129. That's three rooms, zero resified, starting at just $129 when you go to ZeroResMinnesota.com or call 952-ZERO-RES and say you want the Score North special. Spell it forward or backwards. It spells the same, Zero-Res. Okay, Josh Dobbs is the starter here, Dukes. Kevin O'Connell has, has said, I'm curious how, this is just speculative here, but how many mistakes does he get before they turn to like a Nick Mullins? I mean, this is clearly not a commitment for the rest of the season. I don't know that it's a commitment for a full game if he comes out and struggles in the first half. So what's your sense as to uh, 
the commitment level here going into this Raiders game? Well, what does Sunday afternoon exactly look like? I mean, is he throwing two picks, not deflections, but just outright mistakes, making the wrong read, underthrowing a receiver? You know, let's say it's halftime on Sunday, late afternoon in Las Vegas. Like, what does it look like? Or is he making plays with his legs? Does the addition of Justin Jefferson, you know, easier throws where accuracy doesn't necessarily come into question like it did in Denver, like it did at U.S. Bank Stadium against Chicago? I need to know exactly what it looks like. I think the leash is long enough, Phil. But yeah, I mean, this isn't some sort of, you know, announcement that no matter what, Josh Dobbs is starting on December 16th against Cincy, December 24th against Detroit, December 31st against Green Bay, then January 7th against Detroit, then all goes well, and he starts that first playoff weekend, whether in Detroit, San Francisco, wherever. I mean, let's wait and see. But certainly KOC, you know, I mean, I think he acknowledged enough that, hey, there's enough stuff that I can do to help Josh Dobbs. But I think behind the scenes, you know, in those conversations with the quarterbacks coach, with Dobbs, that KOC took a lot of ownership for what took place against the Bears. The KOC knows he can help Josh so much more. So I feel like unless there's like two or three just glaring mistakes on Sunday, we will see Josh Dobbs play that entire game against the Raiders. And it it sounds like um, from what, KOC said, and also from what Dobbs said in his press conference, that there has been a lot more communication mm-hmm. and ideas going back and forth. My guess is that... And that's in, what KOC does, right? I mean, we're things. not used to it but because Dobbs, of the Zim relationship with Kirk, but Kirk and KOC you know, always had that relationship. Right, but when Dobbs was acquired, I, I think the issue was it was so quick, and then it was game, game, game. They finally had, had a week to sort of t- take a step back, and it sounds like they spent... Uh, time before uh, before the buy started in earnest together watching film. Uh, I think the biggest thing on Sunday is probably ball security from a fumble standpoint. That's my guess because I think they're going to give I think they're going to give Josh more chance to run probably. And so I actually don't know if it's picks. I think the bigger concern is if you can't hang on to the football. What are we doing here? Like if we're if you're going to be a mobile quarterback, there's nothing more important than ball security. So. I think it probably would bug O'Connell more if Dobbs has any problem with ball security as far as what he does on the ground as opposed to passing maybe. Well, and then think about the machine that Max Crosby is. Now, I know he sat out practice yesterday. He's been dealing with a knee issue. Heck, he was doubtful in their last game, right? Ended up ultimately playing. So I presume, I mean, he's an Ironman. I presume that Max Crosby will play on Sunday, but I guess today's practice will be the telltale sign. But I imagine Max Crosby plays. But, like, that guy's motor is off the charts, right? Like, not sure maybe Aiden Hutchinson, but not sure anybody has a motor quite like his, right? So even if Dobbs is 8-10 yards down the field, Crosby is going to be in pursuit. So you know that Max is going to be trying to strip the ball. So yeah, I mean, that is something to keep an eye on. I still think it's the decision-making and the accuracy and where is the ball being placed. Yes, on the turnovers, yes, on ball security, but I still think ultimately... You know, what passes is he making? What decisions is he making? Is it the right decision? How accurate is the ball? But I'm still telling you, like, unless it's three, like, I think it's closer to, like, three glaring mistakes. And I get it, Nick Mullins is the backup, right? So, I mean, he's healthy. He's fine. All right, so Nick Mullins can play. But I think once the decision was made, heck, I think it was probably made late last week, you know, before Sunday when Diana Rossini tossed it out on Sunday. I think it was actually made a couple days prior to that. 
right? Once the decision was made, you know, Thursday, Friday-ish to go with Dobbs, I think KOC is going to give him plenty of opportunity to keep this thing going. But in the same breath, I'm saying, like, you know, he struggles enough. It's not like, you know, for sure he's the quarterback on December 24th against Detroit. Let's just see how it plays out. But I think it would have to be, like, multiple glaring mistakes for them to pull the cord. Uh, if you have other Viking stuff, feel free to unleash. Otherwise, sixteen and four. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll get to sixteen, 16 and four. And yeah, four. soon to be seventeen and four. We'll get to sixteen and four wow. in a wow. second. But briefly, Caleb Evans. Remember, he told me leading into the Bears game, "Yeah, I'll be good to go." Well, he sits out the Bears game, missed the Broncos game, missed the Bears game. He is good to go this week, coming back from the calf injury. You talk to enough people in Egan, you know, on background, they will tell you it's not Byron Murphy Jr. who has not had. To me, a good year. Average. Like, I don't think he's been a train wreck, but maybe average would be the way to describe Byron Murphy Jr.'s year. That a Caleb mm-hmm. Evans, and yes, they love Makai Blackman. Eventually, maybe as soon as, heck, in three weeks, we'll say Makai Blackman is their best cornerback. But you talk to enough people in Egan on background, they will tell you in this moment, a Caleb Evans is their best cornerback. So they are happy to welcome him back on Sunday in Las Vegas. There still is optimism on Marcus Davenport, that even after the procedure on his left ankle, that he'll be able to come back at some point. Now, hey, durability is a question mark with him. Yeah, he may be back. The next thing you know, he's out. But there is still optimism that he is not out for the season. Now, what does that look like? Do they open up the practice window next week? Or is it the week after? Is he back on, let's say, December 31st? Or could it perhaps be December 24th? You know, some fluidity there. But I'm just telling you, as of now, like the Vikings have at least some level of optimism that Marcus Davenport will be back this year. That optimism remains also on Jordan Hicks, that Jordan Hicks could be back as soon as the December 24th game against Detroit. Yeah. Boy, the vibes at Target Center right now. I mean, I've probably been to, I don't know, five, six games this year. I wasn't there last night, but you could even feel it uh, just on TV. It's it, it is. I feel like Minnesota fans over the last 20 or 30 years, we tend like we cheer and we do our thing, but we, we, we tend to operate with a certain level of nervousness and apprehension. You know, like we need to see something good happen. Then we'll get into the game. Vikings. I think Vikings fans will get into it on a third down or something, but it's very much. We've got like two generations of cautiously optimistic sports fans. And then you walk into Target Center and it's just this celebration every night. You know, the people that are saying, why don't we wait until May and and then we can decide if this team's good. I don't know. There's a lot of fans that have been waiting for this for 20 years, and they are celebrating it right now at Target Center. It's a blast. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know that this team is better than the Nuggets once you get into, like, you know, March and April, Doogie. But I, I think it's fair to say this is one of the five best teams in the NBA. Pretty much everyone in the national media is still sleeping on them largely in terms of the the stuff I've been sampling. Uh, Finch was on the herd with Cowherd yesterday, so they are getting a little bit of national attention. But it's just like what a 180 degree difference from where things stood a year ago. You know, we got Rudy and Kyle Anderson throwing haymakers at the end of the season last year. Just what a turnaround for this franchise. Absolutely. I mean, it helps that they were on national TV last night. Kendrick Perkins, you know, talking about them, tweeting about them. I was on my drive in today listening to Dan Patrick, his stat of the day. Was Timberwolves related? You mentioned there Finch you being on Colin Cowherd's show. So yeah, there's a little bit more of a of a national buzz. To me, yeah, the future matters. We need to talk about the future. But celebrate the now, right? When 
You are number one in the Western Conference for now, what is it, 18 or 19 consecutive days or 17, something like that, when previously, like, I don't think you've ever been first place in the Western Conference for more than, like, an 8, 9, 10-day stretch going back many, many, many years. You can celebrate something like that. Heck, I feel like the Minnesota sports fan, after the Twins breakthrough, right, winning a playoff series for the first time since 2002, right? Now we're awaiting the Wolves winning a playoff series for the first time since 04. But I wonder if some of that Twins optimism, you know, and I get it, it changed quickly there when you played Houston, but whatever you want to term it, right? But the Twins breakthrough in October, is there a carryover effect? There certainly is a carryover effect enough Twins fans who are Wolves fans, right? I just wonder if maybe that plays into it. And certainly there are just Wolves fans, right, that don't care about the Twins, but loving what they're seeing. I mean, Rudy Gobert is playing at an incredibly high level. I've got the box score in front of me. Standing How about his plus ova- minus last ovation. night? 31, yeah, 31. Plus 31 for Rudy last night. Then I saw the social media clip from the Timberwolves. The way he walks in the locker room. You know, high-fiving each and every guy at their stall, right? Because he did the ESPN post-game interview, so he was stuck on the floor longer than his teammates. So he gets in the locker room last, goes around to each and every guy. And I had heard question marks about Rudy's leadership in Utah. Certainly, there wasn't leadership last year. But you talk about his maturation on the court. He's also matured a lot off the court. So give Rudy Gobert a ton of credit. Then just what about Mike Conley Jr.? It's Gobert. It's Mike Conley Jr. Like, Ant wasn't good last night. You know, he found different ways to contribute. Seven rebounds, six assists. He missed 13 shots, right? I think when he's fully healthy, I mean, the hip isn't 100%. When he's fully healthy, I think he makes like six of the 13 shots he missed. Like, I thought they were pretty good looks that he'll make, right? But it's not like Ant was good last night. It's not like they played great last night. I still think the Spurs had a bunch of good looks that they missed. Like between Wemby and Zach Collins, they missed. I've got the box score right here. So Wemby goes 4 of 13. Collins goes 6 of 20. So 10 of 33. So 23 30%. missed shots between Collins and Wemby. I thought, some good defense, I thought though, they had some good looks. Yeah, at times. Sure. And there they some are good defense. the number one defense in the NBA, Judd. Right? I mean, that's their identity. That's their calling card. That's why you feel like they can sustain a high level of success because the defense will continue. The shot making, that'll fluctuate. The defense, though, them playing at such a high level, like it feels like they will absolutely end up at the end of the year as minimum the fourth or fifth best defense in the league, if not one, two, or three. That that is very, very sustainable. Where does the Gobert trade um, in in – not just Wolves, in NBA history, let's say going back 30 years, where where does this one rank as far as the seismic shift from like a guy who in his first year gets traded, big name too, but, you know, he gets traded first year, it's just a dud, doesn't really work out. And then the next year comes back and it's total opposite. Like this to me is is what makes, this would be like if, if at some point in time, Herschel Walker had flipped a switch and become an absolute star for a year. And I don't think he, he rushed for a thousand yards in a single season as a Viking. That to me is what's so impressive is that you've gone from a trade that a lot of people thought might be one of the worst trades in the history of the league to a trade now where I think it's fair to say Tim Conley 
that's pretty, you know, pretty damn impressive what what a veteran player who's always been who was good previously, but is better than anyone's really seen him is playing right now. Yeah, I mean, you monologued long enough for me to try to rack my brain. Nothing instantly comes to mind. But yeah, like in this moment, right? Remember this time last year, and hey, I've always said it was an easy yes for Utah. I'm not changing that stance. Right? But like it's coming to fruition now. Like you can't say it was a bad trade anymore. Yes, you can say it was a good trade for Utah acquiring all those assets. But like you think about Utah last night losing by fifty. They lost by fifty. Luka Doncic right had a triple now. double in the first half. Right? Yep. Utah went on a little mini run last year, but now, you know, they're coming back to the, you know, perceived bottom of the league pack this year. What is Utah's future? So they've got all these assets, but what exactly is their future now with Dwayne Wade involved and some other smart people? You figure Utah has a relatively bright future with all those assets, but you still wonder, like, what direction exactly are they going? You feel really good right now about the Wolves, right? And hey, you know, if you want to knock trades, you know, now, hey, I watched a good amount of Clippers Nuggets last night and a nice one for the Clippers. LA's playing better now with James Harden, seven and three in their last 10. But you think about that Clippers trade with OKC, right? Shea Gilgis Alexander, all the other assets that went from the Clippers to the Oklahoma Mm -hmm. City Thunder, right? If you want to knock a trade, what about the Paul George Clippers trade or even the Donovan Mitchell trade Utah to Cleveland? Now, Cleveland, they've been okay, right? But they lost in the first round last year. How far will Cleveland go this year, even though I like their roster and I'm biased because J.B. Bickerstaff, the head coach, is a friend. But you still wonder, right? I mean, there's this chatter about will Cleveland have to trade Donovan Mitchell? The Knicks are chasing a star. Who is that star? Can they get Embiid from Philadelphia? Okay, maybe not. Okay, well, then it's Donovan Mitchell, right? You're not hearing as much Carl Anthony Towns chatter with the Wolves playing so well. Towns chatter to New York. But I'm just saying, when we talk about, you know, these so-called bad trades, you can't call it a bad trade anymore when Rudy Gobert is playing as well as he's playing. Dukes, empty that scoop bag for us here. What else you got for us on this reckless speculation Thursday? Well, I got some questions from our Tuesday back and forth when I threw out some info on Ethan Kaliak Manis. So let me clarify. So I was told by somebody close to Ethan that PJ, it wasn't in a press conference setting or a media type setting, a radio interview, something like that, but it was around others. I don't know how many others. I don't know if it was a full team meeting or just some staff members, some players, but it was more than PJ and Ethan present where PJ was just saying, Ethan, it's mistake after mistake. Like Ethan felt like, you know, it was all on him. You have this four game losing streak to finish the regular season. Yes, Ethan. You know, there's things he needs to work on, clearly, but it's not all on him, right? When you have three different offensive coordinators over a three-year stretch when he's been here, when your receivers are top five among power five programs in drops, right? So it's not like Ethan's receivers helped him during the season. That it just felt like Ethan, and hey, Ethan was told, hey, you're not guaranteed to start the bowl game, right? So there were just all these factors, but it flipped fast. Like, if you had asked me before the Purdue game, will Ethan Kaliak Manis be back as the Gophers quarterback? I would have told you, yeah, 100%. Like, row yeah. the boats, guy, you might. He's all in. It changed really, really fast, in particular, right after that Purdue game. But that's what I mean that PJ had said some stuff about Ethan. I was told 
with some other people present. I don't know the amount of people. It was not a public setting, but that Ethan felt like, hey, why are you singling me out when this is a team thing? It isn't just on me. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I don't want to dump on a kid here too much, but see ya. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the nature of, you know, college athletics, right? Not just football. We all get everyone gets their feelings hurt too. It's like, oh no, they're not giving me enough love and adulation or they're, oh no, there's going to be competition because I might not be. He was okay with the competition. But it is a business, right? We love the term student athlete. Now with NIL, these guys being compensated, maybe not as much here as other places, but it is a big time business. So yeah. You know, we're talking about 18, 19, 20-year-olds, so in many ways still kids, not full-fledged adults. But guess what? You're going to be treated like a full-fledged adult because there's so much money at stake. Yeah. The, yeah. the scheme is what I, I would have said back to Peach as I walked out the door. I would have said, you know what? I'll try and cut down on, on mistakes. How about you come up with a scheme? See ya. And then I would have slammed the door. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, you know, if if you got Ethan in a moment of, Complete truth, complete honesty. Yeah, there probably would be something I mean, to be said up. about that. Yeah, yeah. A, I'm also circus act. I'm also waiting on on the Gophers athletics front an update on Dawson Garcia. Mm-hmm. So, how bad is is the foot injury? We think it's an ankle sprain, but trying to get more clarity on that today. I've got a couple text messages out. I was hoping to get a text message back while we were doing this. That has not happened. So, I am awaiting word. I guess if there ever was a time. To get injured, I suppose it's now where the Gophers don't have another meaningful game for a few weeks, not until their next Big Ten game, which is still a few weeks away. They've got some non-conference games coming up, Florida Gulf Coast, Maine, I believe. They've got winnable games without Dawson the next couple weeks if this happens to be a multi-week type injury, but I don't have any clarity yet this morning. I am awaiting word. There he is, Darren Doogie Wilson from the Five Eyewitness News Sports Department. And one Department. more, Good one more I was podcast. with. I don't know if I mentioned this on Tuesday or not. Jake Irvin, my buddy who pitches for the Washington Nationals, Bloomington native. I was with him in the lab the other day for, for a TV shoot. Anyway, he's working on a new pitch. It's got slider slash cutter characteristics. Yeah. So you know these pitchers, they love to tweak stuff in the winter. So he's... Well, he's working on his changeup. He only threw his changeup five percent of the time last year. I didn't year. say that because I thought the same thing. What's that? Slutter. That's a slutter. Yeah, slutter. Yeah. No, we can say that. Man. We're not FCC regulated here. I don't think. Uh, anyways, all right, Doogie. Good stuff there. A great reckless speculation. You got it. Thursday and I wish here. I had some twins news for you. I mean, they've had very little dialogue okay. on Michael A. Taylor. Right. All signs point to Michael right A. Taylor leaving. I still twins. think Jeff Jorge Polanco. Jeff Leppard and Journey. Yeah. 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 And, well, and Steve Miller Band. Okay. And Steve Miller Band. I, I love Steve Miller Band. It's just it's. Yeah. Been a slow, slow, slow go, but I do think eventually they've had enough trade dialogue that one of these talks comes to fruition. I still think Polanco, maybe Kepler too, but certainly Polanco. And yeah, I mean, they want to move Farmer, so I can see Farmer too. But certainly Polanco, if I had to bet on anybody moving, it would be Polanco eventually. Yeah. All right, Dukes. Good stuff. Hi, right, boys. Have we a great run. weekend. See ya. We'll see you guys on Purple Daily for some more uh, quarterback discussion and speculation. This has been a Reckless Speculation Thursday edition of The Scoop.